once again, my friends, to the Global Gale podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and you are listening to the podcast for the 70-odd million Irish people or people of Irish extraction around the world. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world. If you're on the beach at Bondi or if you're somewhere in San Francisco or New York or if you're in Stockholm like me, I hope your year is off to a flying start altogether. Mine isn't. And you know what? It got me thinking the other day. Uh, it's four years since COVID, lad. lads. It's about like four years. Where did that time go? I was uh, at a press conference, I remember, the European Centre for Disease Control. I think they have an office here in Stockholm. And around about this time of the year, around about February, I was called to a press conference there because I work as a freelance journalist and that kind of thing. We're going in, we're going to interview all sorts of experts and that kind of thing because this virus had been discovered in China. And I stand out with my camera and asking various different scientists questions and that. And the producer was with me. I've worked with her for many years and she was saying, what do you think? And I was going, ah, look it. You know, I don't get excited about these things. How wrong I was, boys. How wrong I was. A month later, I broke the story that the Euros was after being cancelled. And that was basically the end of sport for about a year, you know. So, um, But thankfully we've gotten through that and we've moved on from that. And that's partially the reason why I'm talking to you today and with the guest that I have for you today. Because the guest I have today is uh, going out on tour and it's no ordinary tour, but I'll tell you about that in a second. Listen, before I do that, there's just two things, right? One is if you can support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash Aeroman in Stockholm. Throw in a five a month if you can. We have great plans for this year. A couple of live shows coming up uh, in London, hopefully in Stockholm and in Dublin as well. And uh, I can't reveal them yet, lads, but there are some amazing interviews in the calendar, right? There's some tremendous, especially women, which is fantastic to see altogether. Some of them are political, some of them are in the arts, some of them are in business, and there's some great content coming up. And if you can support it, it will help me to keep the lights and the microphones on and the team working away, Aunt Morrissey and Molly Breen there, toiling away in the background. So if you can support us, that would be absolutely brilliant. If you can't do that, that's fine. Uh, share the podcast instead fire it out on your Instagram story uh, tip off your ma or your parish priest or the lads in your Gaelic football team or the girls you play camogie with or the, the manager at work who you love to play paddle with just get stuck into them right and tell them look this fella does a great podcast every week have a listen to it subscribe leave a five star review you, you support him on, on Patreon I can't afford it but you support him on Patreon and that way if we grow the audience we'll find enough people at the end of the day lads to make this financially viable to keep the three of us working for you because this is a community it's a supported podcast. It only exists because you exist. Right, listen, enough of that waffling. Um, this week's interview guest, if you like, is a man named Steve O'Timothy. You're probably not going to react to that name at all. But if I said Farmer Michael, everybody is going to understand what I mean. My gosh, Michael, wow, look, look. We're in the home of the enemy, Kathleen. Michael. Hey, a thousand years, Just Kathleen, enjoy your holiday, Michael. Cameron and Tracer, mate. Michael, Good Michael, there's no need. There's no need for any oh, of this. Oh, Michael, what? Michael. With the creation of the character of Farmer Michael, uh, Steve-O has gone on to be an internet sensation, right? All over the Facebook and the TikTok and the Instagram and the Twitter and everything else like that. And I've gotten to know him over the last few years and a fascinating character altogether. For those of you who don't know, Steve-O uses a wheelchair after a motorcycle accident uh, that he had when he had had a few drinks one night and a friend of his was killed. A man who was riding on the, as a pillion passenger was killed in that incident. 
uh, Steve suffered a partial paralysis, so he's not entirely uh, paralysed, but you know, he has some use of his legs, but not very much at all. And I didn't realise this at the start when he was doing these comedy sketches, but as I say, I got to know him over the last few years, and uh, we've had some conversations both online and offline about that incident and about his, his shame and his remorse and his battle and his giving up of alcohol and that kind of thing, and of of how one comes back from something like that if indeed it is at all possible and I know there's a lot of people give him a lot of stick online but in fairness to him uh, he meets it head on so he goes on and he talks about these things and he talks about uh, the, the depths of the shame and the darkness and all that kind of thing and in fact if I remember rightly in the court case that resulted from that accident he actually asked to be sent to prison and the judge said look at you know I can't send a man in a wheelchair to prison it's not going to be suitable you know but that's something for another day uh, as an artist or as a comic or as an actor uh, he's something completely different in entirely right he doesn't do things by the book he didn't go through the standard thing of playing the stand-up clubs in Dublin or, or you know comedy clubs in Galway or in Cork or that kind of thing he started on the internet so he's very much uh, a sort of a creation if you like of the era that we're living in now but he now does live shows and he has been doing live shows for several years he's been over to England doing he's been in Liverpool and that kind of thing and I saw recently that uh, he's planning a tour now himself and Roxanne Goldby who plays the, the part of uh, Farmer Michael's wife Kathleen they're heading off to New York and Boston for St. Patrick's Day and not only that I think they've actually been asked to take part in the South Boston St. Patrick's Day parade that happened since the conversation that we had that's why it's not mentioned in it so what I wanted to do was to talk to Michael or sorry to talk to Steve-O about Michael uh, about how the character came about about what it's like to be globally famous because lads I get sent you know DMs and all sorts of stuff with people from all corners of the world you know just because they've heard this Irish comic or seen this Irish comic online but I wanted to ask him about that because there's the practicalities of being in a wheelchair but there's also another side to that in that Steve-O suffers a lot uh, with anxiety and it's not unusual you may often think the performers oh you know they have great guts to go up there and that kind of thing often they don't lads you'd be surprised and I'm not at liberty to tell you the performers I know of some of whom are absolutely world famous who suffer seriously before they step out on stage from stage fright and anxiety but Steve again is very much an open book so uh, we sat down for a little while a while ago and again I've been ill for the last little while there so uh, this is why it's taken a little while for this conversation to come out but I definitely think that it's, uh, it's worth your while to take a listen to this right I will post uh, a link to the show notes so if you're in New York or if you're in Boston and you happen to be around for those shows they're not the biggest shows in the world right so get your hands on your tickets they will sell out reasonably fast right so this is probably the last chance you're going to have to get your hands on the tickets you'll find the link in the show notes but here he is Steve O'Timothy uh, the creator of Farmer Michael on his plans for his upcoming tour and where this all came from Right, Steve-O, the technological gods do not want this podcast to happen but by Jesus we're going to make it happen how are you keeping it? Are you well? I'm good, I'm good. We got there in the end. It was it was crying, but we got there. I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're getting this view up me nose because I had to use the phone instead of the regular setup. But we're delighted to have you on the show. Uh, back again, I think the last time we spoke was during the pandemic. We spoke for a little yeah, podcast. But... It's been a long time, yeah. Yeah, but um, we've had a little bit of contact privately. And the reason I wanted to talk to you today, Steve-O, is because you're off on tour again. Uh, this must be the first time in a long time you've, since you've left the country, is it? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say about four years, like 2000 and, early 2020, I'd say, was the last time. And it's the first time going to America, so obviously that's uh, exciting, but equally, the, the more exciting and the more big something is, the more equally the freaked out and petrified I become. So yeah, it's a, it's a big step. It's a big step. Firstly, afraid of going over. Secondly, afraid of doing gigs. And thirdly, 
terrified of flight. So don't, don't worry, we'll dig into all your fears now in one second. But can we just start with where the idea of going to New York and Boston for St. Patrick's Day came from? Is this one of those great ideas you had over Christmas and just managed to convince yourself or have you wanted to do it for a long time? I wanted to do it for a long time and then I was thinking like when to go and then I was thinking like Irish America, St. Paddy's week. Like it just, it makes sense. And of course like Boston and New York, but then we were offered like gigs to go to like all like places in New England around that area. People were messing me like, would you do a gig in blah, blah, blah. But it's it like, we're time limited too. Like you got about what? We've got about eight days and you don't want to do like eight gigs. So five, we kind of settled on. And one of them nights then is going to be, I was offered to do a talk in some Irish immigrant rights center thing. So yeah, I've done that as well. So not, it's not uh, set in jet, but Looks like this. Brilliant. And um, how do you put that together? Because, you know, like behind the great success and the millions of views on Facebook and YouTube, it's very much a sort of a, a one or a two or a three person operation. There's yourself and there's Roxy. Yeah. Like, so do you get agents coming up to you going, okay, Steve, here's a million dollars. Let's get you on Broadway. Or how does it work? So it's, yeah, it's all, it's all us, basically. They are, I would just. Just before the Christmas, I was messaging and emailing and the usual and just like, you know, notifying, I suppose, venues that, hey, we're coming over. And I put up a thing on Facebook that we're coming over to New York and Boston. And if you like the storm, give us a shout. So a few pubs emailed us and got onto us and some of them fell through and some of them like they wanted like, you know, oh, we'll give you the venue for $500 for the night. And you're like, no, I want the venue for like... I'll do a gig in your pub, but I, I I expect the venue for free if I'm bringing in like a hundred or so drinkers, you know what I mean? But mm. yeah, that's business. And yeah, it's it's tiresome and it's irritating and some fall through and then you're trying to, they're spread out, obviously, like Boston back to New York and back to Boston, back to New, you know, so you have to arrange your accommodation and try and arrange transport or rent a car and hire a car and all that. So it, it is stressful. So it'll be worth it. It, uh, we have to sort of address the elephant in the room that, you know, um, you use a wheelchair. So getting around and yo-yoing between Boston and New York is a lot more difficult for you maybe than for somebody who doesn't use a wheelchair every day. So uh, how does that factor in? And do people give a shit when you say to them, uh, by the way, lads, you know, this this might be a little bit more difficult than what you might think? Because even access to venues can be a problem. Can't yeah. It? yeah, some, some, it's not that they wouldn't give a shit, but they'd say, like, see... Able-bodied people, and I, I really realised this in the years because I've been on both sides. Like since I've become disabled, like a lot of people would say, the pub I'm in is wheelchair accessible, and you'd go there and there'd be three steps at the front because they don't even realise the steps at the front because three is just a hop-up step for an able-bodied person. So a lot of people would say their venue is blah 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 blah, blah and then obviously that would fall through them because it's more difficult. If there's one set of flights I can manage on the crutches, like I can, it's dealable, you know. But I've noticed a lot of venues then, like they'd go above and beyond, like absolutely above and beyond. You know, they'll look up accommodation that's wheelchair accessible, they'll send you screenshots going, look, this is what do you think of this and shit. And you're like, yeah, like, you know, you have your hat on, you know, so yeah. But it is stressful when when you're disabled, you don't, I like, I don't, I, like going on a holiday to me, I would see that as punishment. I'd see that as a task, as a horrible thing to do. 
because trying to arrange it all like getting there carrying bags and being in a wheelchair having like me to push the wheelchair and Roxy carrying seven bags and me feeling like shit because like you know what I mean that kind of thing so yeah I don't I don't like holidays so if I do a holiday a holiday is a geek holiday for me it's a working holiday so mm-hmm. maybe that's just um, when I could crawl freaking you know at the same time so but I think, you know, even people like yourself, you know, who do use wheelchairs, you want that sense of independence. You want to be able to go where you want to go, when you want to do it, and not be dependent on Roxy or anybody else. So, you know, you're not asking for the world there either. Is there nowhere, and I know this sounds like a bit of a glib question, but is there no sort of travel agent or that kind of thing that you could turn to and say, look, I fancy two weeks in, in the Canaries. Uh, and they go, well, yeah, we know exactly what you want. And there'll be a lad there to pick up your bags and it'll be lovely to you and everything will be all accessible and the food will be accessible. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Like, you know, it, it just, I, I suppose it's just the, the, the thoughts of it and the thoughts of something going wrong that could just turns me with dread, I suppose, and the fact that I'm terrified of flying as well. So, like, they, 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 like I just want to da- go to my doctor, down a load of Valium and ha- hopefully, like, Roxy just pushes me onto the plane. My, like, Unmoving like fast corpse, just throw me into a seat and wait. Like I don't get like once I get off and we level off, I re- my panic does the same. I eat and drink and everything on the plane. It's the takeoff because it's the taxiing up. It's the it's the sense of up until that moment I can leave the plane. Now I'm trapped. Now I can have a full blown panic attack and freak out, and the public are watching. Everyone's staring at. I can't escape. I can't go to a bathroom. I can't go to my safe place in the car or in my room. I am exposed and my vulnerabilities are all there. And that's, the, I suppose, the the terrifying thing. And I can't walk. You're even more trapped. Hmm. Do you have any idea where that fear comes from, Sivo? I don't know. Like I've, like, I've had this since, like, early teenage years. It started, but it's a, such a stupid thing looking back but when I used to go for walks with my dad I used to read the reg plates of cars and then I used to have this dreaded feeling the odd time that it just kick in that there's a chance that I will never read every reg plate in the world and there's reg plates out there that I won't get to read and that used to freak me out and that kind of started it and I don't like I don't know where it actually comes from like I've done counselling I've done every sort of thing I suppose it's I suppose it's a, like obviously it's a, it's a base insecurity of being I suppose completely and utterly exposed and vulnerable <laughs> and then I ended up being a comedian because that's that's what comedians do it's a, they, we want to be liked and we want to be loved and people always come back at you they're like with the horriblest thing saying and then go I thought you were a comedian and you're like that 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 completely doesn't make sense. You're saying to someone who's extremely insecure and wants to be loved, the worst thing ever, and saying, "But you're meant to be a comedian." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You should be able for this. You should be able to take this, and you know, whatever I say to you, that's oh, only a joke, man. Your mother's a dead. Ah, I thought you were a comedian, man. Fuck, you know what I mean? It's like, God, yeah. Care. And do you find, you know the way sometimes when we live with these things, I mean, you know, Brendan Bean used to say that we all have our own way of dancing kind of thing, you know. Do you find yourself uh, finding strategies to help you cope now? Because you have to get on that plane. There's no gigs. If you don't get on that plane with Roxy, there's no gigs. Yeah, oh yeah. You, 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 like it's well known, like people with 
panic disorder like we go off with like numerous safety behaviors i have mm-hmm. hundreds of safety behaviors like i you avoid these techniques and it's the worst thing you could do because they're it's further cementing in your brain that there is something to fear you know i had a panic attack in that cafe i won't go to that cafe anymore like that's letting the panic win you should go to that cafe like my mm-hmm. biggest fear now would probably need to be to get a taxi into town and to get out of the taxi and have the taxi leave because my car is not around. I, you know, I, I, I'm ex- more exposed again, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, we've come up with our own little safety behaviors and things and I have loads of them like holding my nostril open to reassure my brain that I'm getting air and just things like that. Rubbing my fingers and rubbing behind my ear like that and just self-assurance kind of techniques. Hmm. Um, and yet... You sort of chose the career of a comedian, which is probably the most exposed thing that you can do in the arts. And yeah, I can't think of anything more. Like, you know, I know Roxy's with me, but we're both alone on that stage, if you get me, like with everyone judging. And I'm having, I'm being panicky. And it's like, like people trying to go up to me, how did, how did you end up doing that with the way you are? And I go, like, but I, the same thing would be happening if I worked in super value. You know, there's no, yeah, it might be on a bigger scale, but to me, like having a panic attack here at at night when I wake up alone, is just as bad as the one I have when I'm about to go on stage in front of a few hundred people. Like mine mine isn't really situational. It's just spasmodic, you know, episodic, you know, it's it's strange. Yeah. And presumably there's kind of no real cure for, for what you suffer from. Is there, or, you know, do you, I mean, I'm, I don't recommend drugs of any description, that kind of thing, but do you find anything that sort of apart from the behaviors and the strategies that you found for yourself, does anything help you in that situation? Is there a magic pill or a magic bullet? I don't know. I suppose that working, trying to work through it logically, free because you can't, you can't logic your way out of it once it's, it begins because that. A million reptilian brain takes over and you're going to die. But trying to work through it logically and being organized, that's why I'd be super obsessed with, like I said, knowing where this venue is and that venue and having a, like, looking at the front of the venue and screenshotting it, knowing where I'm going and being rested. Being rested. Like, if I don't, if I'm really panicky and can't sleep the night before, I'll be terrible the day after. And maybe that's another safety behavior. Maybe because. You know, in times gone past, I might just slept and had a panic attack and maybe I put them two things together. So that that's a possibility. But knowing that I have slept kind of reassures me. Um, let's talk about the performances themselves. What's your, like, I mean, obviously you're known the world over for these brilliant sketches. So wasn't I only texting you a few weeks ago when a young fellow's going to college with my daughter in a little town in Sweden and going, this fellow Steve was brilliant. Like, you know. Um, no, it's all strange, the messages I get, like, and things like that. Like, uh, one, uh, my uncle's been in New York for years, Jimmy, and uh, someone came up to him a couple of years ago and started to tone on the video and he was like, yeah, that's my fucking nephew. <laughs> It's fantastic how it's bad. Even one of the lads that I trained you did to it. He's mad about you all together. Actually, we'll have to do something. When his birthday comes around, you will have to do a video. But how did you first start? You know, how did Farmer Michael start off? Did you think, Jesus, like, I have to do this? Were you looking for a job? Was it just a bit of crack with the lads or with whoever? A bit of crack. I was just sitting in the car one night with my brother Ronan and 
I just said, here, Ronan, record me for the laugh. And the first video was still up and it was Farmer Martin. Like it was Martin. Ronan was just going, yeah, Martin, yeah. He was just, you know, he was to say the original Kathleen character. And it just threw it up on Facebook on my own profile. Didn't even have a page. And just uh, people like started sharing it and liking it. And it was just like, yeah, this is kind of cool. This is funny. You know, this is a bit of crack. And then it kind of, Jesus, yeah, I done one then couple of weeks later about Conor McGregor and stealing my style and I was wearing a dicky ball but I didn't call it a dicky ball because that was rude so I called it a Richard ball and that just went kind of viral and it was just yeah it was kind of crazy then it just the monster began let's say and you know the, the, yeah that's that's the beginning yeah how has it changed over the years Steve-O because like you say I mean Farmer Michael has always been the sort of the central character you've had different people uh, which you know doing Kathleen and, and you know and sometimes you're in the car all the time sometimes you do things at home you know how has your approach to it changed over the years oh it's changed radically like even you know, the accent like the, there's four different like kind of accents of Farmer Michael and four different kind of ways he he is like and oftentimes I'd have to watch a video to remember how to do the voice or what voice to do like you, I'd say to Roxy like Jesus Christ I don't even know how like I don't even know how to do the voice you know what I mean so it's kind of it was very deep at the beginning and slow and I was down there but the, you know it was pure Western Ireland then it just became kind of the shouty one kind of became the 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 main one the, the, the surprise Jesus Christ and that's more me and now it's just kind of more kind of like, I was down there, you know, more kind of squeaky, more kind of, because we all know them Irish fairies, they're so high pitched and it's just Irish, you know, and you're like, how do you talk like that? You know what I mean? So yeah, that's the kind of one today. It's just more high pitched and more excitable, but, but always fucking aghast at the way the modern world is, you know, and that's, that's the, the running, running thread through it, like, there's some amazing satire in what you do, you know, because the sketches are about two minutes long and everything is there. The setup is there, you know, all, all the lines that people come back for, the abuse of Kathleen is all there. Do you spend a long time thinking about it or does inspiration just strike you and you go, right, come on, Roxy, we have to go and do this now. I have the idea now. Yeah, sometimes they're completely off the cuff. Sometimes I'll have to, I'll have to, oh, Ireland's playing France tonight. Where can I take this? And like... I didn't even think about this one today, but obviously Michael and uh, French and Prods and Thierry Henry, so I put something together, say, about handball and the rugby and blah, 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 or something like that. And then you kind of, you, you try to think up in your mind three points that hit. Mm-hmm. So three kind of take-ons. And if you can reach then you're doing okay. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then you kind of tailor the ending around it and whether the ending be the gag or whether the ending be Kathleen's reaction to the gag or whether it just be Kathleen called saying I'm an idiot and we go I know and thumbs up or so you know something like that but like, like let's let's be honest a lot of them are just base toilet you there's no there's no inbuilt satire but when I'm hitting a, a, a you know a sore point like black lives or abortion or something like that I I really think about it and really really try and tailor it and go like completely utterly over the top satirical like the one I've done about it was the black people weren't held as slaves. They were they were given bracelets and kind of fucking, you know. And I got attacked for that one, but a lot of people seen seen it for what it was. He was, you know, I'm. You're taking your opponent's viewpoint and you're making it completely surreal and ridiculous to highlight how ridiculous it is. Hmm. 
and, and there are still to this day all these years you've been doing this and there's still people out there who take this seriously going okay this guy is a racist and that kind of thing so you can park that lads you can park I that. that as much now I get I get the opposite I'm a more mm-hmm. Uh, paid off shill now these days that's what that's what I have these and especially on Twitter as you Jesus Twitter has become a toxic like oh do you know what if you are a woke paid off shill you're looking well on it so I mean I wouldn't be going away from it too or too, yeah, too quickly yeah, like, you know? Soros check but you know after to... <laughs> and it's probably the size of it that they can't get it through the letterbox you know because yeah, there must be a good few yeah, quid yeah. out to you now you know and no. Those videos on Facebook, you're on TikTok now, they go up on Twitter and that kind of thing. Um, then the fun starts because it's a very modern thing. You're sitting there and you're basically judged on the views and the reactions that you get to the videos. And then I'm sure you judge yourself on that as well. For someone Jesus, yeah. For somebody who is anxious about life in general, what does that do to your soul when you put up a video? Oh, but like it it kind of like I hate to say it and hate to admit it because it's like a weakness of mind. Like it, it controls my mood. Like if I put up a video and it does really, really well, I'm elated. Like I am actually high. But then conversely to that, when I put up a video and it does terrible, I want to close down the page, stop doing it. No one wants to view them anymore. And I'm miserable. You know, so it shows and it just shows that like the, the addiction to social media and when people say there's no addiction, of course they're fucking you know what I mean? And I could only imagine what it's like for people that like grew up with it. I only got like on Facebook or whatever on the internet when I was when I went back to college for twenty seven or so. You know, and it, uh, but then again, it's it, I based that on a lot of factors as well. It's because you know when a video goes up and fades, is that my career failing? Is that my life failing? You know, so there's a lot kind of inbuilt to the to on the weight of the success of that video. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot at stake. Every time you click upload, there's a lot at stake for you, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, internally, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask a reach? You know, if the video works and it has landed, and mm-hmm. you get comments that you expected to get from it, then that could be a reward in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the other day, I think on TikTok, about all the billions of views and everything else like that, and that you'd made like seven euro fifty out of a video. You know, how do you go about making money? I know you have a Patreon page as well that you can have certain people who support you every month and that kind of thing. Yeah. Is it like you know when people look at you, you know they look at you and they go, "God, Jesus, millions of views, everything else like that." You're not going through it. There must be a garage full of Ferraris there in Galway somewhere. Is that how it works? Is it? Yeah, it's the hardest thing is to break down the public perception that you're not a multi-millionaire. And that's really hard. That is really, really hard because people do think, like, yes, I have a nice car, but everything went into that. Mm. Because car to me is like, because I can't walk, it's like you you get a lovely pair of, like, running shoes for your jogging. You know, that kind of way. So it's like, to break down that public perception and to, like, it's 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 near impossible because people go what do you want a Patreon for why would I like do your Facebook subscription like you, you have loads of money or when I raise a, pl- uh, a plight like my dad's lift not being fixed for ages by the council and people were like would you not like buy, buy him a lift or uh, sell your fine car and pay for the lift and you're like firstly you can't sell the car because I got the VRT and tax off it because I'm a disabled driver so I have to hold on to it for two years 
Secondly, I can't afford to buy my father a lift. You know what I mean? But it, it, like I said, it's hard to break down that public perception. And maybe I built that up. Unbeknownst to myself, where like anytime there's a famous celebrity in Gaul, I get a picture with them, or you know, and the nice cars and the clothes and stuff. So maybe I built up that perception so I shot my own self in the foot, you know. But it, it really is difficult because people look at you and they go, okay, that fella's very successful, therefore he must have a whole load of money. But inter- being successful on the internet, it's not like you're the fucking Beatles. Like, you know, it used to be back in the day that if you had a number one, well, then you were good for a few quid over a few months or a few years or whatever, but it's much more difficult. And um, when you look at the ticket sales in America at the moment, right, this is a different audience for you. As you say, I don't think you've been there before to perform. I know you we were in England and Liverpool, performing in Liverpool was a big thing for you. Is that oh, big for is it a big financial risk for you, Steve, or do you think that you'll come home with the big bag of money that uh, that you might expect to do now? I know you definitely not. Like you know, like we're not going over to play to hundreds of people. Like the two Boston, I think, is one hundred and ten each, yeah. and New York is one hundred and fifty or something. So you're like you you you're basically if if you could have a nice holiday and a lovely lifetime experience and break even. You'd be happy, like, and it is a risk because my pa- passport is sent off now, and then I've to apply for the BS to thing. And if that doesn't come true, and the amount I spent in advertising already, like I'm out a lot of money, you know. So if that stress is over your head as well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, it's one of those things that the, what they call the sunk costs when you paid all that money to set these things up all the yeah, hours you just... and keep the yeah, when you were in a business and you keep going and keep yeah yeah I yeah. remember that from my old psychology study in days alright there you go you know it's, and it is there is a risk there at some point you know? but uh, I mean I've no doubt that this is going to be hugely successful because when people know that you're coming and that I mean people know who you are what's the what's the live show like is it basically like you know an hour or an hour and 15 minutes of the car just put on the stage or how do you usually approach it no it's totally different it's like it's like a we sit side by side and it's like an interview of an insight into Michael's world Asking like yeah, Kathleen and Kathleen will set the takeoff, and she she basically Kathleen guides the show, but I go off on tangents and I will go off and rants and every show is individualistic because I'll see someone and I'll you know I I get that devilment into my mind and go yeah I can say this because I'm Michael I can like mock this person and obviously it's tailored to the geographical location you're in as well there'll be a bit of an intro maybe five minutes of so Michael what do you know about in Longford or so on you know so we tailor it and like obviously we tailor it for the locality so we'll talk about whatever the baseball in Boston or whatever and you know things like that so yeah it's 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 very different because people go like how do you do an hour show out of a 60 second sketch and you're like no no, it's got a different setup it's more relaxed as well it's less shouty it's more I suppose yeah it's more it's more like a, a talk but a serene yeah. talk. Mm. And we have to give some credit to Roxanne Goldby, who is your, your partner in crime on these things. Like, you know, it's actually sounds to me like she has the hardest part to do it because, you know, she has to react to the madness that comes yeah. out of your mouth, does she? Yeah, she has to control it and guide it, like I said. So when I go off on a tangent and see she's waiting to kick me off in the next part, she has to fill in a bit all them awkward gaps. And she has to know that, all right, I do I go with this? You know, do I go with this uh, rant and tangent or do I just sit in silence and wait and for the set off for the next one? 
So she she does have to guide the show because I can do anything I want. I'm random. You know, and when you get that, like I said, the devil with mode and pure into Michael and see something that sets you off, I can go off for a few minutes. So yeah, she she has to guide it. So, you know, it's, it, it, it is a hard role for her. It's hard for both of us, but it is hard for her because she does a lot of waiting and timing and when to come in. Do you mind me asking how the two of you met? Because she's a public person herself. She has her own podcast and she does her own little videos at times as well. Like, you know, how did the two of you team up to start doing this? Uh, just, I basically put a call out for like someone to do a character on the videos and she messaged one day and I went out to meet her and she talked a bit about herself and dancing and performing and stuff. And we said, we'll meet up again and we'll, jot out some ideas and we done a sketch or two and yeah I was happy and yeah I was like yeah this is good so we met a few more times a good few more times and kind of uh, hashed out kind of ideas and met up with a few uh, OV he used to live in Longford the, the, the he calls himself the original black jockey the black paddy so uh, it's not the other one that was not David Omotade but a different guy and uh, yeah we met a few times and then yeah kind of just got along really well and yeah one thing led to another and yeah uh, and now you're away on tour to America as tends to happen in all the best stories about entertainment and um, when you look at this now I know that you're you're sort of you know you it's full on now you know you're trying to get these shows sold out you're trying to get the word out there and that kind of thing is this something that you you know if this is successful if you can get through the flight and the flight home and all these things is this the sort of the start of, you know, Father Michael going all over the world? Because like I'm thinking about, you know, there's loads of Irish people in Australia who would love to see this. Yeah, yeah. and, and your fans aren't only Irish people. Your fans are Swedes and are Norwegians and, and even yeah. Finnish people laugh at you, you know? Have you yeah. any plans to sort of to, to go further afield with this if it all works out for you? I I would love to, yeah. I, I absolutely like that. Geez, the flight to Australia alone, though. You know, that'd be that'd be a takeoff panic attack, an hour in panic attack, two and a half hour in panic attack. It would be like but see, I'd negatively thinking of it. But yeah, I would love to like this like in our stats in YouTube and stuff, like it'd be obviously obviously UK, then Ireland, America tied for second place, say, and then like you have the usual like German, Sweden, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, all them. So like obviously we've a big fan base there and like you said at the, at the beginning, it was Irish expats. It was Irish people in Liverpool, Irish people in London. And then it spread to native, like, inhabitants of those countries. So I would like, like even Dubai, like, the amount of Irish people over there, and that, that'd that be crazy. You know, I'll go over and rent, like, as you know, I like to do a, do a big, like, and like I said, shoot my own self to the foot. If it, there's any, like, if it's the show is doing well, fuck it, I'll hire a Ferrari or a Lamborghini for the week. So, like, you know... It, it's it's almost like I'm using any money I make, I'm wasting it to give the impression I'm wealthy to future ensure that I don't get any like pay. You know, it's like. But and like I've always been like that. I've always shot myself in the foot. Like I probably told you the story before about Lufthansa. There was Lufthansa, one of the head, the high up guys. He was work. He was from Mayo, and they wanted me. They, they wanted me to do a corporate gig, and like corporate gigs, like probably got one of them in my career. It's big money, like. And uh, I said, yeah, but then like, uh, like I had the, the idea in my head then for a week about like Germany and airplanes and Lufthansa and Mayo. So I ended up doing a sketch about the time Hitler invaded Mayo in 1942 or something. And I got an email, uh, clearly, 
they're saying, unfortunately, blah, 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 blah. we can't have you to do with the thing. But I liked that. I was broke and I had no money and I could have really, really done with that. But the sense of achievement of a kind of a, a fuck you to authority and that I I I paid that little devil inside me. That that I I got a great payment from that, and I like doing that. I just it's something in me. I think that that's kind of worth all the money in the world. And again, it's why you know I I, I honestly believe the smile on my face thinking back of that time I did that. Like I wouldn't think fo- that fondly back of the two grand, let's say, to what I feel of doing that. But yeah. But I think that's why it's up to people like like me or the, to the fans of yours around the world. That's why it's important that our little payments are the things that keep you going. You're not dependent on a television producer. You're not dependent on a company paying you money. Yeah. You're dependent on the people who, who like you. I mean, Jesus, there's some of the stuff that you'd be saying, oh, and I'd be looking through my fingers going, oh, Jesus, Steve, oh, don't say that, even though I know you're joking, you know. And yes, yeah. I'm going to support you because I think it's important that you get the chance to go and do these things, you know. And I'd much rather you were beholden to me than to Lufthansa or anybody else, you know. Um, is that like I massively like the pe- the people that do support and like give whatever two dollars a month or whatever, like you did that, like obviously I think like from my uh, my subscriptions on Facebook, like I'm really honest with what I make on various social media sites. So I think on Facebook I get fifty five dollars a month. So that's mm. my subscriptions. YouTube's about. $35 a month. Patreon is about around the same. So, yeah, it, it's not like, it's not great money or anything, but it, mm. that little bit helps me because like I'm on disability allowance. So, you know, like, yeah, but people think you're a millionaire, like I said, and it's very hard to explain to them. Like, they'll be like, what are you doing on welfare? And it's like, I don't have enough earnings to be on it. I wouldn't survive. You know what I mean? And when I do, I do notify them that I've earned X and Y amount and they deducted appropriately. So I'm not like scamming anyone or, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the calendar now, is this sort of, you know, St. Patrick's week going over there two, eight days from America, five gigs over there. Can you see beyond that for the rest of the year at all? Or is this just, you know, taking in all of your being at the moment? Uh, it's taken over. Yeah, it's like that's kind of the the at the forefront at the moment. But obviously, then I'm thinking when we come back and maybe May, June over to the UK again because I put up a thing there, like thinking about organizing a tour when we return from the states. Where should we go? And it'll probably be the usual. It'll probably be like London, obviously Glasgow, Liverpool, clearly Manchester, Nottingham. Birmingham, the usual kind of so I'd like to do Newcastle because we were meant to do that before but the Irish centre over there just flatly refused to have us and basically said what I do is disgusting so yeah but then again like it's down, like you said it's like people like you there's a lot of what I consider straighteners out there are explainers mm. so when someone gets the wrong end of the stick on a video or what I do because they might have just came across me like once off and don't realise you know the, the, the larger scale or the other videos that are satirical or me as a person there's people out there like you the straighteners that come in and uh, explain they go no he's actually blah 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 and I really appreciate them because you can see the change then in the people oh I didn't know that I, you know blah 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 so yeah they, it's great to have people like that that have actually kind of not, not really defend you but kind of explain the, the, the realism of the situation I suppose mm. I remember years ago 
Yeah, I remember years ago when Blind Boy had to go on live line to defend the video that the rubber bandits made for Horse Outside. And of course, the classically trained artists and university educated in that, and he did it so well, you know. And I think it's very important because there's so much out there that people just react to instantly because that's what yeah. social media has programmed us to do. It's like, okay, oh, you're the rubber head. When I done the one about uh, black lives and the slavery in America, there was no slaves in America, Kathleen. I, I was on three radio stations that day defending yeah, and loads of like, uh, like uh, black Irish immigrants from you know Africa were on defending me. Really like that, they were like, "I see what he's doing." Like you know, it's, it's clear what he's doing. You know, but obviously, I got as well the you know how how raw it was and stuff like that. Mm. Not me or see there, and I, I realized that you know because you're terrified as well putting up a video, especially a very satirical one that you it'll totally not hit. And you'd be slaughtered, and it'll, you know, look really bad. But once I'm confident in it, and you know, once I'm confident in the thought and what I've put across and portrayed to say a mind that understands it, then I'm I'm, I'm happy because, as you know, not everyone gets satire. There's still the people that let tack water for the whispers or the onions or the you know what I mean. It, it, you know, it, it happens. Like you know, and you can see them. But that's that's why it works. That's what's if everyone understood satire, then you're just putting up a valid point and you're being a newspaper. You know, so it's, it's, that's the beauty of it. That's the thing. And uh, it's been absolutely brilliant to watch your career develop and blossom over the years. And I want to wish you every success when you do go to America and indeed when you go to the UK, because I've no doubt it's going to be hugely successful. Sir Stephen Trimothy, Father Michael, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Global Gale thank podcast. You so much. And do let us know how it goes in America, okay? Thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate it. There you go. That was indeed Steve O'Timothy there. And we wish him the very best of luck. Himself and Roxanne now heading off to America uh, with a whole pile of Xanax and Valium and everything else that might be needed to get him over there. And as I said, we wish him every success. A fantastic guy. And as I say, it's his honesty that I appreciate more than anything else. There's no question I can ask that fella that he won't answer. And I really appreciate it because I know how difficult sometimes it can be to talk about some of the things that he has been through. If you enjoyed what you heard there, please uh, share the podcast if you can, especially if you can share it with people in Boston or people in New York where Steve was going to be playing in the near future right so if you can do that that would be fantastic altogether I will leave you alone for now I hope you enjoy that conversation and I'll be back again very very soon indeed with another episode of the Global Gale podcast until then my friends take care of yourselves and take care of one another and I'll talk to you again soon